Well, we welcome you today to our Good Friday service here at Weston Park Baptist Church. If you're part of our family, we obviously uh, are here. We love you. We um, are glad we can connect in this way. So it's that uh, uh, we're grateful for. And if you are looking in from beyond, we welcome you and trust that this uh, reflection might be might be helpful. Today is Good Friday, and we call it Good Friday really because of Christ's good work for us on that day. Um, the key, key reality in our faith, what Jesus accomplished for us in this day. So we want to look at that. And to begin, we're going to uh, consider the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to go back to a beginning story um, it's a little unusual for Good Friday, but uh, there are some interesting things here for us to reflect on. So I'm going to read from Mark 1, 9 to 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, with you I am well pleased. And so this is the story of Jesus' baptism. We can imagine him at the beginning of his ministry. He's uh, coming from Nazareth. He's grown up there. He's heard that his cousin is baptizing uh, in the River Jordan. And obviously after some reflection, uh, he, he wants to be part of that. So he makes his way from Nazareth, some 50 miles uh, over the hills, the Judean hills, and then down the slope into the Jordan Valley. And finally, he comes to the place where uh, his cousin John is baptizing. And he makes his way out to John. And in the Gospel of Mark, uh, no words are exchanged, but we can imagine John looking at Jesus and thinking, I'm going to baptize you. And Jesus nods, and he's baptized. And it's interesting that when he comes up out of the water, Jesus, the Gospel of Mark tells us in very staccato uh, form these three points, that the heavens were rent, that is, Jesus comes up out of the water, he looks to heaven, and there is this uh, dividing in the heavens. And then the Spirit descends as a dove, like a dove. And then Jesus hears a voice from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And so we can imagine that putting all that together, this would really be a very happy day for Jesus. There's a commendation from the Father that God is on his side that in spite of any questions that he might have or certainly others have, He's heard the reassuring voice that God is with him. And even as we pause for a moment here on Good Friday, such a story reminds us that uh, indeed God is for us and that uh, we are told later that Jesus calls his disciples friends. He calls us friends, no longer servants, but friends. And indeed, we're told in the Gospel of John as well that a special word Jesus used for his disciples was the beloved. 
And normally that word is associated with uh, John, the apostle, but I can imagine that all of the disciples of Jesus felt that they were the beloved one, that Jesus had that impact on people, that they all felt loved. And the reality for us today, as we know him, is that we are also the beloved disciple, that you are the beloved disciple. And so it's a word of encouragement as we even come to this Good Friday, as we look ahead to Easter Sunday, that God is for us, he's for you. Whatever situation you're in right now with this COVID-19, God is there for you, Jesus is there for you, the Holy Spirit is there for you. We hear his word that indeed we are the beloved. And so it's interesting that this story very early in the gospel begins with this happy scene. But then right away, there's a juxtaposition, and then Mark carries on with these words, and the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. And so here we have Mark's reference to Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. But what's interesting is this word, driven that Jesus was driven into the wilderness. Matthew and Luke, they have their own version of this story, and there it's much softer that Jesus is sent by the Spirit. But here in Mark, he's driven. And so as we reflect on this, we want to ask ourselves, what, what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus was driven into the wilderness? At a deeper level, what's that got to say for us? We're told that he is there for some 40 days, symbolic number in the scriptures. 40 days, a reference back to the 40 years of Israel in the wilderness. A significant amount of time that Jesus is there. And that he is tempted or he is tested by Satan. The word can go either way. He's tempted or he is tested. And he's with the wild animals. Only Mark uh, shares that that uh, Jesus is out there in the Judean desert in a dangerous place with the wild animals, but at the same time, the angels are there and they assist him. So there are overtones of, the elder, of, the, uh, of Israel's wandering in the wilderness because also the angels directed them. A cloud during the day, a fire at night, So there's references to that story. So Jesus is tempted, Jesus is tested, right beside where he heard that he was the beloved son. So hearing that story, we ask ourselves then a couple of questions. Well, what's what's it about? Why are these two events juxtaposed together, and what does that say for us? What does that mean for us? So there's a certain tension in the story. So Jesus is consoled at his baptism, but then immediately he's sent into the wilderness, driven into the wilderness, and he's challenged there. So there's the tension of consolation and also desolation, just as there is in our own lives, that in these days we can have a beautiful day, and then at the same time there's a a hardship, and we wonder where things are going, what's next. The same kind of tension fills us. 
There's a lovely statement by Marilyn Robinson in her novel, Lila, that reads like this, life on earth is difficult and grave and marvelous. Our experience is fragmentary. Its parts don't add up. They don't even belong in the same calculations. Sometimes it is hard to believe they are all parts of one thing. Joy can be joy and sorrow can be sorrow with neither of them casting either light or shadow on the other. And I think Marilyn Robinson there has a good insight into the human uh, condition, into our own reality of the juxtaposition of joy and suffering together. That's what Jesus experienced. It's what we experience as well. Second piece, we come back to this driven into the desert. And I would suggest here that it's a reference in its own way to the Old Testament Day of Atonement that we read about in Leviticus chapter 16. Remember the Day of Atonement is one day a year. It was a day when the high priest uh, made sacrifice for the, uh, the sins of the nation of Israel. And specifically, two goats are taken. And one is sacrificed as a burnt offering to God and also to make sacrifice for the sins of even the priests. But the other goat served as an escape goat for the nation of Israel. And the high priest would actually take the goat and place his hands on the head of the goat and pray and in that prayer transfer the sins of the people onto the head of the goat. And then later the goat would be brought into the wilderness and driven into the wilderness, symbolically bearing the sins of the people away. And so the writer of Leviticus uh, speaks about it in these words. Then Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins putting them on the head of the goat and sending it away into the wilderness by means of someone designated for the task. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to a barren region, and the goat shall be set free in the wilderness. So that's the word from Leviticus. Imagine the priest praying over the goat. The goat is brought away, sent out, indeed driven out, just as Jesus, Mark says, is driven into the wilderness. So on a deeper level, what is going on? What is Mark meaning? Jesus is not just walking out into the wilderness, but at the beginning of his ministry, he's driven out. And so I would suggest that here, in a symbolic way, Jesus very early becomes, the suggestion is, our scapegoat who bears our sins away. And that is particularly the edge that we remember on Good Friday. The book in the New Testament that speaks most about this is the book of Hebrews. And so a couple of quotes from Hebrews. He entered once for all into the holy place, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. And then a second one, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience 
from dead works to worship the living God. That's Hebrews' take on what Jesus has done for us as our high priest, imagined even at the beginning of the gospel as Jesus is driven into the wilderness for you and for me. So this is a picture of Jesus' good work for us that happens on Good Friday. That Jesus does an amazing work for us that indeed bears our sins away. And so the question for us uh, as we come to an end here is to hear that story, not just as a, an historical incident, but to really look at it, to look at the text, and to see the text perhaps as a mirror. So when you look at that text, when you hear that story, that Jesus was driven into the wilderness for you, that he bears away your sins and my sins. Can we enter into that into a way and pause and allow it to speak to our hearts, to hear God's voice that he is for you, he is for me, so much so that he takes all of our wrongdoing away and places it on the head of Jesus so that we might be reconciled to him and know him as our Lord and our God. Perhaps you, you, know, you hear and you th these words and you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not really such a bad guy. I haven't sinned so much. I didn't ask Jesus to do this for me. I, I don't need this from Jesus. But the biblical picture is that if we look deep down, if we drill down into our hearts, we recognize there are lots of things that aren't quite right. Lots of things that need reconciliation. Lots of relationships that need healing. We need Jesus' work in our lives. And so I pray indeed that on this Good Friday, you might recognize what Jesus has done for you, for me, that he's done a good work, and that he indeed bears our sins away as he died on the cross for us so many years ago. Cardinal Newman, in a tough time in his own life, in a time when he made a, a fresh commitment to God, wrote a beautiful hymn. I'm going to just cite the first verse of that at this point as we look to Easter Sunday. Lead kindly light, Amid the encircling gloom, lead thou me on. The night is dark, and I am far from home. Lead thou me on. Keep thou my feet. I do not ask to see the distant scene. One step enough for me. So may we look to Jesus. Seek his guidance. One step at a time one day at a time. And I pray these words in Jesus' name. Amen.